This week, we're joined by special guest, Pastor Jack Bellin. Pastor Jack loves to teach on the Holy Spirit, and this past week we had special meetings called our Holy Spirit Encounter. This was one sermon from that special event. We hope you enjoy. If you have any questions or comments for us at Calvary, please send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. Let's go back to the river. Jesus insists that John baptize him. The ultimate surrender. Baptism is reserved for repentant sinners. I'm going to say that again. Water baptism is reserved for repentant sinners. Jesus, is he a sinner? No. John recognized it immediately in his spirit. What was it about the Lord that John picked up on? You, how can I? He said, I can't baptize you. Here, you baptize me because you're perfect. And we know what Jesus said. It has to be done because he was being our example. He who went into the baptisms of repentance was not going into baptisms of repentance for his sin. He was going into baptism and waters of repentance for your sin and mine. Now, I don't want to get into this too deeply because I love to preach. Maybe you haven't noticed that this week. But then what happened? What was going on? John baptized Jesus in water. We talked about this a little bit last night. Baptism, he went in the water. And up he came. When he came up, a couple of things happened. Now you who are Bible scholars, what happened first? I hear what you said, but something happened before the Holy Spirit descended. What happened first? No, no, that was last. What happened first? What happened before the Holy Spirit descended? He came up out of the water and... Anybody? Oh, come on, guys. You've been paying attention all week long. The Bible says he came up out of the water and the heavens... Now, when you, I, all right, the heavens opened, and that's a bad translation. I want you to get this, because it opens the door for what we want to see God do tonight. And I said that wrong. We, it opens the door to what God wants to do here tonight with us. That's much better. When the Bible says the heavens opened, one of the Gospels says, I had it all written down here, and my little note fell away. It's recorded Matthew, Mark, and Luke, almost identical, and forgive me, one of them says it this way. The word that says the heavens open is a violent action word, violent word. And it says the heavens ripped open, like, you know, I get really angry, and I rip open my shirt to show the big red S. 
Didn't fool you one bit, did I? <laughs> but here's what it says. It's the same word, the same word. How many remember when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says the veil in the temple was, it's translated torn. Now, we just read that thinking about the curtain, like that little curtain there. Anybody could rip that curtain, but that's not it. The veil of the temple was woven with silver, with silver and gold, precious gold. It was six inches thick. No person alive could rip that veil. What was going on? The Bible says it was ripped from the top. That means nobody ripped it from the bottom. That was a huge curtain from the top. To the bottom, what happened? God tore the curtain that separated mankind from the holy place, from the holy of holies, from God's abode forever after Jesus died. Rip! Now, now, beloved, we have access to the Father. Now, all through the scriptures in the Old Testament and the New, after the fall of man, Adam becomes the, excuse me, Satan becomes the prince of the powers of the air. Now, we don't have time to get into that. My problem is I follow the rabbit, and sometimes we don't get to what God intended. So I just want to say that all of the forces of evil, the air, the, the, the heavenlies, are like or were like for the devil his fortress. It was his wall. Nobody's allowed to penetrate this wall because Adam gave me authority over it. And when Jesus came up out of the water, before the dove came, where did the dove come from? It came from above the heavens, in the heaven of heavens, in the throne room of God. It came from the heavens. The heavens were literally, I don't know what it looked like, but with today's graphics that we have and some of the people would use their imagination, can you can't even imagine all of the heavens ripped, violently tore. You wouldn't be hanging around anywhere near Jerusalem and not notice the whole heavens, the whole sky rip open. And in all that violence, and I believe it had to take some racket and some noise, rip. This was the devil's protection. This was the devil's wall, his fort, the high walls that he said were always unpregnable. And all of a sudden, rip. What's going to happen? God's got a sense of humor because it was a violent act, but down flutters. Is that a flutter, Pastor? Come on up and flutter for us. Flutters. A what? A dove? A pure, white, harmless, beautiful dove? And what did the dove do? Now, do you know the dove is the symbol of, who knows? Say it loud so everybody, because everybody, it's a symbol of what? Say it louder. Did you hear what he said? The, thank you. The dove is the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Here's the deal. This is it. The Holy Spirit came down and landed on Jesus. This is the symbol of the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Hear me, people. Hear me, please. This is the deal that made it different. 
In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come upon somebody and he would do a great thing and then he went home. You understand? He came upon Samson. Samson took a, a donkey's uh, uh, jawbone and murdered a gazillion bad guys. And then the Holy Spirit went home. And then he came back and he got on him. And you can read this in some of the heroes in the Old Testament. Holy Spirit came, did a job, left. But this is different because that dove did not land on Jesus and go away. He stayed in the life of Jesus. This was a major difference. From that moment on, a pivot took place in history. One by one. Oh, of course, I don't want to leave out the part where the Father speaks from heaven. We have a gorgeous, beautiful, awesome picture of the Trinity working in one thing. The Spirit ascends on the Son. The Father from heaven speaks. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But we are working tonight to understand the Spirit of the living God and what happened in the sky. When that's the, 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 the enemy's defenses were breached. Do you understand? The wall might still be there, but it's got holes in it. Anybody who wants to go and take back what the enemy stole from you, you are free to take it back. Do you got that? You're free to take it back because he has no protection against you. So what does he do? He tries to convince you that you have no protection against him. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it's like the little kid says, all right, put him up, put him up, put him up to the big wrestler. It's, you don't have a chance, little kid, I'll pick you up. And the devil's saying, I'll pick you up. And he's got mirrors and he's saying, growl, hiss, hiss. All you need to do is turn around and face the devil and say, bang, bang, you're dead and he'll fall down. Well, that process of abiding tells us what's the difference in the life of one baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking about this for the last four services, two on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Think the word Father, what comes to mind? If I say God the Father, we think something like love, we think something like grace. Say the word Jesus, what comes to mind? Definitely. I think nearly everybody would say the cross, salvation, redemption. Say the word Holy Spirit, and if you've been around Pentecost for a long time, you're going to think this, power. There's a problem with that. Power is not a personal word. Power is, an, is a neutral kind of a word. Power, you don't think about it talking about a person. You think about it talking about energy or ability. And he is energy and he is ability. And God the Father is energy and he is ability. But we have come to identify the Holy Spirit in a different way. And that's one reason why we have problems saying, I want Holy Spirit in my life. Because we don't think of Holy Spirit as personal, as intimate. But you know, there are, there are lists, we may mention them tonight as we have time. But here's the deal. 
There are lists, many times we do workshops like this or encounters like this that capitalize on the gifts of the Spirit. But if you talk about the gifts of the Spirit, like we in Pentecost, Pastor, I'm sorry, you had to send me a, a report to Springfield. Tell them I said this. If you emphasize gifts higher than you emphasize another list that we have in the Scriptures in Galatians, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And I don't think it's a mistake that in the, the list that we primarily like to use is 1 Corinthians 12. That list has list nine gifts. And how many fruit of the Spirit are listed? Nine fruit. And what happens if we have a preponderance of gifts but no fruit? And one day the Lord showed me this. We become crippled. We are not in the image of Christ if all we have is gifts, but we don't have fruit. The fruit of the Spirit, I'll let Pastor cover this, but the fruit of the Spirit really is one. The fruit of the Spirit is love, and then the sections of love go into joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. But here's what it is. If we have only gifts, the body of Christ is like this. You can't win a race like this. But if you have the fruit of the Spirit, which is not given to people arbitrarily, it's all of our possession, but we must develop it. Fruit is different than the Spirit. It has to be developed. So it works like this. A gift, a fruit, a gift, a fruit, a gift, a fruit, so that the love and the patience and the long-suffering and the mercy are governing the healing and the miracles and the tongues and the, and the interpretations and the prophecies. You understand, these must be regulated by these. If you have one without the other, you are not a fully equipped warrior. Most congregations in the world today freely adopt the fruit of the Spirit. We want to build orphanages. We Pentecostals... We do that too now, but we didn't used to. I'll tell you, we've gone through a shift. When I went to Bible school, they told us, don't worry about people being hungry. You let them to Jesus and God will take care of them. You won't find that in the scriptures. God takes care of people through us. You understand. But that's changing. It's changing. You guys got a great church here. I'm sitting around here and praying and I see people walking in the door. And walking out with bags of food. You know what? That's a God thing. I hear about somebody in the nursing home. And then I find out that you guys go in the nursing home and visit them and minister to them. That's a God thing. You can give yourselves an applause by knowing that you're not only people who shout about gifts. You're people who, who shout about the love of Jesus. You're telling people in the nursing home, Jesus loves you. Some of them, you wonder if they can even understand because their minds are escaping them. But even if they come for a moment in the fog and they say, Jesus loves you. And if you could penetrate that, then you could let them say, let me pray for you. Oh, somebody says, hey, hallelujah, amen. You're not a real demonstrative congregation. I didn't want to, I just mentioned this in, in quickly, very quickly. The, the high priest ephod, Aaron's ephod, his ephod was a priestly robe. 
and around the hem of that robe there were embroidered pomegranates and pomegranates were separated by bells. Now, those bells hang there and if there were no pomegranates, when the, the, the priest prayed like this, you ever see people at the wailing wall in pictures? They, they pray like this. Why are they doing that? Because they kind of felt like, well, that's what God wants us to do because the high priest prayed like this. But you got to understand why he prayed like this. He went once a year into the Holy of Holies to have make atonement for the sins of the land. And he prepared himself at the labors and washed himself and went through the ceremonies. And then when he walked into the Holy, Holy of Holies to add that blood to the horns of that altar on the, on the Ark of the Covenant, when he would go like this, the people outside would listen for the bells. The bells were the symbol. The bells were the symbol that God had accepted the sacrifice and that God had received Israel as its chosen people and they had another year to serve the Lord. But if the bells stopped ringing, and so they had like uh, posts, what are they called? Staffs with hooks on them that they'd have to stick it in under the tent and grab his ankle and drag him out and look for a new high priest. How many know that wouldn't be a coveted position? <laughs> but the point was, the pomegranates made the bells sound pure. I'll tell you, you put your worship team up here and get a tone-deaf guy. And have him sing with him. And tone-deaf people love to sing just as much as you do. It's just that they can't hear that they're offbeat. We used to have one in our church and everybody was welcome to praise the Lord and we'd be praising the Lord and it was gorgeous and all of a sudden old brother Chuck would go, Jesus, and he didn't hear it. So what happens when the harmony goes away from the church? What happens when the balance leave the church? Even powerhouse Pentecostal churches fail to have long-term growth when the fruit of the Spirit is lacking. So, Pastor, we need to develop in ourselves and in our congregations both things simultaneously so that we can rightly represent Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, I want to move way ahead because I knew this was going to happen. In fact, I'm going to move beyond that. In fact... Here, I want to pick it up here. Why people don't get filled with the Holy Spirit? Three things. Number one, what's going to happen to my business and my life if I get filled with the Holy Spirit? And people know I'm one of those tongues-talking, holy-rolling Pentecostals. Number two, people think I'm going to be a religious nut. Number three, won't this put me under some kind of religious bondage? Am I going to always be spouting off scripture verses and acting strange in front of people? If we have those kinds of doubts, if we think that being like Jesus is going to somehow interfere with our lifestyle, we don't understand how grand and glorious it is to fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Second thing, I read this and I just felt it was so powerful. It's a Billy Graham quote. Billy Graham was asked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to read what he said, okay? It'll only take a second. Billy Graham says, I think it's a waste of time for us Christians to look 
for power we don't intend to use. For might in prayer without, I'm sorry, might, I, might in prayer, I'm not wrong, I just, my eyes move, unless we intend to pray. For strength to testify if we're not witnessing. For power unto holiness without attempting to live a holy life. For grace to suffer unless we take up our cross. And finally, for power for service unless we serve. America has churches that want a book of Acts experience while we reject the book of Acts process. Why would God fill you with the Spirit if you don't want to do anything but squeal and look like you're holier than somebody else? When we understand the, 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 the process and we're going to work with you on this tonight. I'm allowing plenty of time because I'm expecting some miracles tonight. I really am. It all starts, I'm not reading all these scriptures because we've read them before. It begins with salvation. It begins with salvation. We even talked about it last night. The promise to the world is John 3.16. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes there's the gift will not perish, here's the gift, but have everlasting life. That's your promise if you're not saved. But if you are saved, you have a command with a promise. Tarry into Jerusalem until you receive power because you will receive what? Power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Now, I do want to take a second. If I do this, i got to mark this place. Because it felt like the Spirit was impressing on me to talk to you about it. There's two words used for power. And I don't want to go into a theological presentation. But when Jesus in Matthew 28 says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That word power, translated power, is eusousia. Eusousia means authority. Now, authority is different than the word used in Acts 1.8. In Acts 1.8, it says you will receive power. That word is dunamis. And for years, all my life, I've heard preachers say that's the word where we get the word dynamite. It is true, but dynamite wasn't invented until 1863. 1863, dynamite was invented. Jesus was a thousand years away from dynamite, more than that. 1,400 years, I'm not a much of a mathematician. So the word meant something to the Greeks other than kaboom. It meant an unexplainable, unexplainable, I don't want to even use the word explosion. Did they have explosions back then? An unexplainable instantaneous, miraculous demonstration of omnipotence that was unimaginable. Kaboom! Now, there is a difference. And this is what the Spirit's been teaching me. When the Holy Ghost comes upon us, we have both. We have eusousia. Now, let me explain that word authority. 
Do we have any police officers here? I don't see any. Well, see, Pastor, that's why you can drive so fast in the parking lot. You better pray no state cops get saved. Now, I'm only kidding you. He doesn't do that anyway. The truth is this. The truth is this. You can stand a female police officer in the middle of a highway in front of an 18-wheeler, and she puts her hand up like this, and what she has on her chest in that form of a badge, she puts her hand up, and the big woolly driver of the 18-wheeler who's got muscles and he's a he-man, what does he do immediately when he sees that badge? He stops the truck. Why? He's not afraid of the lady in the, in the uniform. He's afraid of the uniform on the lady because the uniform represents a much greater power and authority and you better shape up or you're in trouble. Now you put that in the realm of the omnipotent God. When we do series on merely the, the, the person and works of the Spirit, we talk about the, the attributes of God, one of them being omnipotent. He can do anything. You put the badge of omnipotence on Jesus, and that's how Jesus raised his hand to the devil and said, stop right now. That's how Jesus went to the demoniac in the tomb of the Gadarenes. He said, take a hike. There was no argument with Jesus in that demon because Jesus had the authority to tell the devil, get. Do you get that? Now, when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, that authority stays in you. That authority is yours. When you understand rightly the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to get into that except to say that each one of the gifts of the Spirit listed in Corinthians is different. It is a temporary endowment with power in response to a present situation. So, if a person walks down to the front to receive the offering and falls on the floor with a heart attack, what does he need? A word of knowledge? A word of wisdom? How about healing? Which one would you want if you were laying there dying on the floor? So, you see, what happens is when you have the eusousia, you have God's authority, you have the authority to call on God, and we're going to get into this, how the tongues works into this process in just a moment. I want you to understand that the authority activates the gifts that we need. I'll show you why this candelabra is up here in just a second if you'll be patient with me. I think it's a powerful message. It really has spoken to my heart. So, when you have eusousia, you tell the devil where to go. Do you know that the devil is defeated? Is there anybody here that does not know the devil is defeated? I'll recommend that pastor preach on this next Sunday. <laughs> he won't have to anyway. He's already got it planned. You got it. You know he is defeated. So why are you fighting him? Why do you let the devil mess with you? The minute you were saved, you were coming to life abundantly. The minute you were saved, you have power. You have power because of your abundant life over your addictions. Even if your addictions are anger. We mentioned this in passing. It's already yours. You got the badge. You need to say to the devil, enough! And... Uh, I'm going to take a risk. 
I'm going to take five minutes. It's a powerhouse, and it's not from Bolivia. It's from Pennsylvania. I was pastoring a church, and I opened my newspaper, and the newspaper said in our local mall, probably about a two-hour drive from here, our local mall, they were going to have a psychic carnival. They said the world's most renowned psychics were coming to the mall. They're going to be there for a whole month. And people would pay hundreds of dollars to these psychics. Some of these witches, they're witches is what they are. I'm not sure if psychic is in the Bible. They're just called witches. So some of these witches read palms. Some of them read tea leaves. Some of them had Ouija boards. They all did whatever their thing was. And you pay $5 and you can see privately, one-on-one, -on -one, one of these witches. When I read that, here's the deal. You're not the pastor of these people. You are, but this isn't your congregation. So we pastors, it's hard sometimes to lift up our eyes. This isn't your parking lot. Look over there, across the street, and see all the cars over in that parking lot? Everybody that lives in this tri-county area, pastor, they are your congregation. By faith, they are. They don't know it yet. They all tithe to this church. They just haven't become aware of it yet. You guys haven't let them know that they're part of this body that's right here. But it's going to happen. So I believe that every time I pastor. When I went to Bolivia, I felt the whole nation was my, was my congregation. And I acted that way, and I saw national victories happen that way. Now, I want to, let's just stay with this. When I read the psychics are coming to my mall, I went in there with my kids and I bought stuff. Not a whole lot. I didn't make a lot of money, but I bought stuff there. And sometimes I went and walked around and got an ice cream, but that was my mall. And because it was my mall, it was under my protection because one thing a shepherd does is protect his flock. And I had a righteous indignation from the Holy Spirit rose up within me. I said, how dare stinking devil. Oh, I haven't told you about SD yet. I'll keep that to myself. I heard stinking devil was coming to my town, to my mall, to mess with my people's minds. And I got furious. I got on the phone. I called three of my board members. I said, you feel like attacking the devil? Well, those guys understood I did strange things. They said, uh, oh, okay, pastor. We drove to that mall. I gave them instructions. The mall had these tables right down. It was an inside covered mall. You know, stores on two sides. Rather typical, especially in that age. And the tables came down the, down the line, and all these witches sat on one side of the table. At the end of the tables, there was a booth where you paid your $5, and you bought a ticket for whoever you wanted to wait and see, okay? Then they'd do their thing. Well, I stood for, put the, there's the tables. I stood here. One of the guys stood there across the mall in front of the store, away from the tables, but across from them. Here we are, and at the other end of the line of tables, two more board members. We stood there like this, and all we did in the name of Jesus, we never raised our voices above a whisper. But we said, devil, I, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you, smile. I rebuke you, Satan. I rebuke 
you, Satan. You're a defeated foe, devil. You can't do nothing. And then I'd begin to pray in the spirit. My buddies are doing the same thing. We did this for about 30 minutes and the mall manager came. The mall manager came to me. How did she know to come to me? Not one of the other guys. She came to me and she said, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I said, well, why? Because you're disrupting these psychics. I'm not going anywhere. It's a public place. I'm just standing here hanging out, you know, me and Jesus. I rebuke you. But I wasn't going. I rebuke. I was very, very, barely talking. See, I don't believe the devil can hear your thoughts. He can manipulate thoughts, but he can't hear them. So, if you pray in your mind, I rebuke you, devil, in here, he doesn't hear you. But if you open your mouth and say it, you, he's got, he doesn't have hearing problems. You just say, I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And you know he hears what you're saying. Okay, the, the manager said to me, if you don't get out, I'm calling the cops. Well, hallelujah. I knew all the cops because when I pastored that town... I would give them Christmas presents. You're not allowed to do that anymore. I didn't give them a big deal. I, I appreciated the fact that these police officers put their lives on the line for us. So I'd give them something, maybe a ham or a turkey or, or, or a little gift card or something. And, just, and I'd ask them their names. I'd pray for them. And the church would have a list. We'd pray for the officer and their wives and their kids. And that was just what we do. I think every church should do that. If you got too many cops, well, pick some of them to patrol your area. Anyway, I'm waiting around, and here comes two, two cruisers and, and four cops. I mean, they really expected a major problem because the, the wall manager said, there's a troublemaker down here creating riots. And he walked in, and he said, where's the problem? That guy over there, the chief of police, Tony, that guy? Yeah, that man right there. Tony walks up to me. He says, hey, pastor, give me five. Slap me on the head. He said, pastor, how you doing? How's Gladys? I don't remember the wife's name, so it's a, I'm just making it up. But I said, how's, your, how's Gladys? And, and the kids, you know, Joey was having trouble with spelling. Have you been, have you, is he doing better? And he said, yeah, yeah, hey, pastor, yeah, good to see you. But the lady says we're having a problem here. And uh, he says to the wayman, because she's, she's, Red. You can almost see steam coming out of her nostrils, you know. She said, she said, are you going to get ready to get him out of here? And, the, and the, Tony, the chief of police says, well, what's he doing? He's interfering. Well, is he passing out literature? No. Is he in any way telling people not to buy tickets? No. Is he standing between people and the psychics? No. What's he doing? She said, he's praying. And Tony did what you just did. He said, hey, pastor, see you around. I'm going home. He took the guys and off they went. And we went back every night. Spiritual warfare isn't a splash in the bucket. You stand until he falls. You walk away, he'll come back. So you stay, and you stay, and you stay. And at the end of the first week, the 30-day psychic carnival was closed down. Why? I heard one gal, one gal, a lady bought a ticket, went and sat down across the table. She said, show me your hand. The lady put her hand out like that. 
And the psychic, the witch, said, I see. I see. I don't see anything. Don't you tell me, people, that this is a community where you can't raise a great church. Every pastor who tells me you can't raise a great church here, that pastor does not know the power of my God and the witness of the Spirit who is omnipresent and omniscient, who lives in me. And that same authority, that same power that the Father gave to the Son, He turned around in Matthew 28 and gave it to us and commanded us to use that power, that eusousia to win the world in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria to the uttermost parts. That's what the Holy Spirit will do for you and that's why stinking devil makes you afraid of it and brings confusion into your mind every time you say I want to be filled and it doesn't happen.